0: Welcome in, everybody, to Hardcore Penn State Football. I am Corey Listokey. With me in just a moment will be Sean Kane. We had a long, long episode last week. I hope you guys enjoyed that. Not going to try to go as long this week. We are kind of all over the place in this episode. So we have a lot of different things to discuss. We got some uh, times and channels for some of the games for 2022 season. We have a couple of recruiting news updates um, and just things all over the place. So uh, just sit back, relax, and enjoy the show. Let's get after it, everybody. welcome on in everybody Corey listokey here with sean Kane. sean how was your memorial day
1: hey Corey, my memorial day was hot dogs and hamburgers it was the most american thing you could think of
0: yeah we i bought a pack of hot dogs and i'm gonna be honest with you sean i did not open the hot dogs yesterday so maddie asked me what the hell are we gonna do with 24 hot dogs and i'm like I, I, you know, if we just once a week, if we just have hot dogs for breakfast, lunch, and dinner, we'll get rid of them. And like by the time football season's around the corner. So I think maybe that's the plan. I don't know. Cause she's like, we should only be eating like two hot dogs a, a year. Have you ever heard of that before? Like any more than two hot dogs in a year is considered unhealthy.
1: Then I'm a, I'm a pretty unhealthy guy, then, Corey. Yeah. It's well, only two hot dogs a year.
0: Yeah. I mean, I'm just thinking about it. if you just have a hot dog on Memorial Day. Fourth of July and Labor Day, you're already over three, or two.
1: Um, I could see it though because they are. I mean, a hot dog in itself is pretty unhealthy, so I'm not gonna dispute. I'm not gonna dispute that at all.
0: Are you a full beef guy on the hot dog, or do you like the chicken and pork stuff?
1: I like the full of beef. You know what I had at a tailgate though? It's and it was frozen. But it was a hot dog, and there was cheese inside it.
0: I think I used to like those, but I had one that one time wasn't 100% cooked.
1: Oh, yeah, that'll...
0: And it threw me off, and I'm just not really sure if I'm ready for that again in my life. I'm not really sure if I'm ready to bite into a wiener um, and to have cold insides coming into my mouth. I prefer them to be warm.
1: I don't blame you at all. Yeah, that would really put a damper on things.
0: But anyway, we we yeah, I, I, I grilled some chicken and um, grilled some vegetables. Uh, I was the grill was pretty much the grill got greasy yesterday. I mean, we we had the chicken going. I, I marinated it with some Olive Garden dressing, so all that dressing was burning off. Threw a bunch of hamburgers on, on at the same time, and like the burners just just they just couldn't keep up. Like they were just the, the amount of grease coming off of these things. I had to take some of the burgers inside and just pan fry them because. The amount it was just it was just too much for my uh for my grates to
1: handle. Dang. Must mean a so, lot of good cooking though.
0: Yeah, yeah. They're the old the, you know, Sam's Club burgers I got, the frozen burgers I got from Sam's Club. I don't have the brand to shout them out with me, but they were really good. I think they're a third about a third pound burger each, and they were a really solid burger. Didn't like flatten out to nothing, had a lot of flavor on its own. All I gave was a little bit of onion garlic uh seasoning, and and that was it. And they were they were very good. I did go crazy on the sides though, I, or, or or toppings for I I caramelized onions. I had some avocado there too, so we were we we're a little bougie. Ah,
1: how about avocado? Oh. Yeah, we had onions and tomatoes and lettuce, I believe.
0: I didn't even bring out the lettuce. I was like, do people need lettuce? I was like, and the tomatoes.
1: Yeah, I'm not a huge lettuce fan on burgers personally.
0: No, I mean, I would take, and and this is with sandwiches of any kind, I would rather take spinach, just raw spinach, or even cooked spinach over just a thing of lettuce. Just give me the spinach or give me the onions. Um, I like an egg on mine. I don't do that for a barbecue because not everyone deserves an egg. But if it's just for me and, you know, we're cooking for just us, I'm having an egg or two, you know, on my burger. I like the caramelized onions. I like raw onions too. Maddie doesn't like raw onions as much. I
1: like raw
0: onions too. But if you have the time to sit there for an hour and a half, two hours and slow cook your onions and really let them caramelize, I can, you put two onions in the pan and barely could, you know, for, for barely could fit them in the pan. And by the end of the two hours, I mean, I, I had a solid, just a good serving size of onions. So very happy with those. And then, Hey, you know, we're a lot of young people kind of barbecuing with us yesterday.
1: So the avocado was a must. Yeah. Yeah. That's, that sounds awesome. Um, yeah, I like raw onions. I like grilled onions. I'm just, I'm an onion guy personally, and I totally agree with you on the spinach. Um, I would definitely take like a spinach salad over a lettuce salad, but yes, not everybody shares my enthusiasm for spinach.
0: Yeah, I, and I don't know why it's a free, it's a free food. It's a free vegetable. If I mean, it doesn't have that much flavor to it. You can throw it in any pasta dish you want. You can throw it in any smoothie you want, and you're getting a free vegetable.
1: I know, yeah. I I don't know, Corey. I think we're in the minority there, but... It's weird.
0: It's,
1: um, Even it's omelets, I, I love them my on my
0: omelets. Yeah, I I dine on a hill too. The omelets, the omelets as well. And we had some Sam's Club mac and cheese going as well. But speaking of hills to die on, Sean, I'm going to throw out a question to you that I did not we did not text about leading up to this episode today. Speaking of hills to die on... If you had to die on an opinion about this Penn State football team heading into 2022 that you would die on a hill defending, what would that be? Just completely hammered you out of left field with this one.
1: I would die on the hill that um, uh, the defense is going to work, uh, that uh, Manny Diaz is going to bring um, a new way of playing, um, a kind of a new twist on an old favorite. Um he's that's what he's known for. He worked wonders with Miami's defense. He's worked wonders with every defense he's ever had. I think you're gonna see um I don't think you'll see a, a drop off from last year, which as long as the linebackers hold up. I should put that caveat on it. As long as the linebackers hold up, I don't expect to see any drop off. And I think in a lot of ways they'll be better uh because they'll be able to turn they'll be able to turn the ball over create more turnovers.
0: Yeah, I think that's a pretty fair and and definitely plausible uh, thing to happen. I mean, the defense has a lot of confidence going in. We've known what they've been able to do already. Manny Diaz has the experience to, to do those things and to do those things well. I agree with you. I think the defense and, yeah, the linebacking position is something we've talked about a bunch in the last month or two. But you still have a lot of secondary experience. You still have a lot of leaders. You still have a lot of leaders on that defensive line. Obviously, I feel a lot different about the defense if P.J. Mustafer has gone. But with him being there, I feel a lot better about the defensive line and the ability to stop the run. So I think that's a hill that you won't have to put up too much of a fight with, hopefully, come the fall. I'm going to go a little crazy here, Sean, and I'm going to stick with the Sean and say Sean Clifford is going to have his best season of his Penn State career in 2022. I don't know exactly what that means. I'm not going to go as far as saying he survives the entire season either uh, because I'm not going to fight and, and defend the offensive line. But I think Sean Clifford is going to get enough help from the offensive line, at least a little bit more than last year. He's going to have at least a little bit more help in the running game. I don't know if it's going to be a, a drastic improvement, but I think it's going to be something. And we already saw what he was able to do last year before he got hurt. So I think there's, you know, there's definitely a potential. There's definitely, a, you know, a, a chance where, if he just would have stayed healthy last year, he would have had his best season at Penn State. And then, obviously, we saw what he was able to do at high State even after the injury. So I think the potential's always been there. There's obviously a lot of peaks and a lot of values with Sean Clifford. But I am going to just throw it out there with a little bit of a bold prediction. Sean Clifford has his best season at Penn State um, and, and his six-year career now at Penn State.
1: I like that. Um, so that must mean – that you think Parker Washington and Mitchell Tinsley and the offensive line are all going to have pretty big years for, for Penn state this year.
0: I'm not going to go as far as saying the offensive line. Sean. Okay.
1: Um, okay.
0: I think this receiving core and, and include the tight ends into that, if you would, I think this has a potential to be a better receiving core than last year. And I know you lose Jahan Dotson, but I really like Keandre Lambert-Smith, I really like Parker Washington, and I really like Mitchell Tinsley. I feel better about the group as a whole than I did last year, especially since there's a lot of competition. And then you throw in a Theo Johnson and a Brenton Strange who are just picking to be better than they were last year after what I think we'd both agree was kind of a lackluster performance. And... Maybe most importantly, that's something that's continued to be overlooked, the second year in the system for everybody, I think that plays a – maybe that's the most important part of this entire thing.
1: Sure, sure. Um, because there hasn't been in the Sean Clifford era any continuity with the offensive coordinators, I believe. Yeah, Ricky Ronnie left after 2019, and then he had Kirk Shiraka. And then he had Mike Yersich, so there has been no. This will be his first time with um, first time as a starter with uh, the same offensive coordinator. Um, and I think if Sean Clifford's gonna have his best year, he's gonna need. And I and you mentioned this, he's gonna need um, his run game to be better, um, especially when you take into account not having Jahan Dotson. Now, I do agree with you. I think as a whole, the offensive or the receivers will be better this year but you're losing a guy who is taken number 16 overall in the draft and those guys don't grow on trees um and i i do agree with you i do expect the uh, tight ends will be uh significantly uh improved just because i i i've seen them play before like i thought i i think you would agree with me i thought they had a much better year in 2020 than they did in 2021
0: yeah no and but yeah, for sure. And I I think there was enough potential there. There was enough moments where I was like, Okay, these guys can play. They just haven't got in sync yet. And I think that if anything, maybe the tight ends take the biggest step next season.
1: Yeah, I could see that. Like I thought they did a really good job in twenty twenty taking over from Pat Fryermuth when he went out mid season. I thought they filled in quite nicely for a guy that, you know, really tore it up with the Steelers last year in his rookie year.
0: Right, right. So th- those that's kind of what I'm feeling and and look, it's not like he has to have a Heisman level campaign to have his best year at Penn State, right? Like I mean, he just has to do a a decent job and you're looking at potentially one of his best years. I mean, if he just continues to have what he, you know, do what he was doing before the Iowa game or or whatever, halfway through the Iowa game, he was on pace to have a phenomenal year. So it's it's there and it's in his DNA. And everything else is pointing to things are better. Yes, you lose his roommate and, and a guy who bailed him out many times, but there's a, I don't feel the same way, if you will, and this might be a weird comparison, but I don't think it's like when Hackenberg was throwing to Allen Robinson where literally Allen Robinson was making plays time and time again and I was like, man, thank God that was Allen Robinson. I don't think it was necessarily the same when Clifford was throwing to Dotson, like, yeah, sure. He made some great catches and he had some great runs after the catch, but I still think Clifford threw some pretty good balls and, and, and Dotson made some pretty good catches, but I didn't feel like it was completely hundred percent Dotson bailing out Clifford.
1: No, I didn't either. And him and um, Robinson were two different types of players. Um, and I feel like Cliff had better chemistry with his second and Third options than Hackenberg did with his. Um, like who was the second best receiver on that team? Brandon Mosby Felder. I mean, Mosby Felder, man. Yeah. <laughs> hey,
0: had that had a, an important and really an impressive catch, um, in that end zone in a tight tight window in that in that 2013 Michigan game. Also. Correct me if I'm wrong, I, didn't he have a big catch on that final drive before the bomb? I feel like he caught it. maybe it was a third down. I don't know what it was, but it
1: was That's something That's what like I was that. thinking when you brought it up, that, that you know, I, I, I still have no idea how he came down with it. But there's a big difference game in, game out between Brandon Mosby-Felder and Parker Washington. Like, Parker Washington's a guy that I think will definitely play in the NFL. Um, I don't know if he'll be, you know, a first, second round pick, but I think he will be picked in the draft next year and has a potential to be drafted pretty high. Um, and then you add in a guy like Mitchell Tinsley and we'll see what he does. Um, you know, as a big 10 receiver every week. Um, and I think, uh, you've done a good job highlighting country Lambert Smith and he's sort of almost being forgotten about on, on the, on the offensive side of the ball, but I'm definitely expecting a, um, you know, um, um, improvement from last year. And I thought he had a, and I thought he overall had a pretty good year last year.
0: I had to, if, if I had to put you in a spot right now and say, who do you think has more receiving yards at the end of the year? Mitchell Tinsley or Keandre Lambert Smith, who would you say? Mitchell Tinsley. Who would have more touchdowns?
1: It's hard to say because I just haven't seen a lot of Mitchell Tinsley. I'd like to compare the speeds. Um, I'll, I'll go with Mitchell Tinsley though, but I'm going completely blind.
0: Okay. I think Lambert Smith has more yards. I think Tinsley has more touchdowns because I think Tinsley's going to get a little bit more of the gadget stuff that Dotson got.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: And and might have a rushing touchdown here, might have a wildcat touchdown here, might get a couple more of the bubble screen things. I think he's a little bit more dynamic with the football than yeah. Lambert Smith. But I think Lambert Smith ends up with more yards. I'm not really no obvious basis for it because we haven't seen Tinsley play against Big 10 competition. Um but that's, that, that's what I'm going to kind of have my hunch. I don't know why. I know proof behind it. Tinsley, more touchdowns, but Lambert Smith has more yards.
1: I could see that. And um, I know it's the blue-white game, so he can't overreact. But that p- touchdown in the bubble screen, it was very Dotson-esque. And it's not just because uh, Tinsley was wearing number five either. Just the way he was able to operate in a – small area and still find his way into the end zone. Like that's just something that was commonplace for Jahan Dotson. So I think uh Tinsley is going to be able to help fill that void that will be left from Dotson's departure. There
0: was that catch he had that it wasn't the touchdown grab, but it was another catch a little bit later. I think it was maybe his only other catch that Tinsley had where he caught it and he just the way he moved after the catch I don't think he even got, like, many more than, like, I don't know, five more yards, but mm-hmm. you could see it in his hips right then and there. You're like, okay, this guy's got that wiggle, that's yeah. that, that 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 imaginative, imagination, whatever, just to make something happen. Like, if those weren't Penn State defenders, if that was, you know, let's just say University of Ohio defenders, you know, he might get out of stuff like that. I mean, you could just see it.
1: Yeah, I could see that, too. Um, and he's just – I don't know. There's a, smooth, there's a smoothness to his game. Um, and I was impressed in the bowl game, too, uh, at Western Kentucky. Um, he showed he could have some bursts as well. So I'm, and not to mention, uh, there are a lot of talented guys coming in behind, the, behind this group, too. Like, I'm very interested to see how a guy like Caden Saunders fits in. Um, and maybe even, uh, someone like Liam Clifford, who's a second year guy and Harrison Wallace.
0: I think Harrison Wallace is going to be a guy and by a guy shot my boy from Alabama, just down the road, literally only 35, 40 minutes from, from where I live in Pike road high school. Um, I think Harrison Wallace is going to be a guy where like, why weren't we talking about him more? I don't know if it's going to be this season or next season. I think he's – and, and you know, nothing against Liam Clifford or anything like that, but Harrison Wallace, for whatever reason, he, he came out as a 35, 35th best player, receiver um, in his class. I just got a feeling about him. He has the speed at 4'4 to, to run with everybody, but he also has that height, that kind of Geno mm-hmm. Lewis-esque to him mm, yeah. that, that, that maybe just gives him – some sort of, you know, maybe, maybe he is a red zone threat this year, but I think he could blossom into a really good receiver. And, and I'm excited to see him more this upcoming season, but I think Harrison Wallace might be a household name by the end of next season.
1: Well, that'd be huge if he's a household name. Um, And I feel good if we could have four, if we could have four receivers that we trust because typically you want at least three that you could really rely on to, you know, go and big play late in the game, third and seven, you need a catch. You want at least three guys that you could trust throwing the ball to. If you could have four, yeah, that gives you such an advantage um, and so many options that that you could play around with.
0: I agree. I agree. Um, Let's move on from the offensive talk. I think we did a really good job talking a lot about that there. Uh, Let's move into recruiting. I think recruiting is going to be heavily dominated in the next month. We have a Mm -hmm. lot of visits in the next two weeks, really, all the way to the 17th, where we're going to be talking a lot about hopefully some Penn State commits. Uh, So I don't need to go deep down the board. I mean, there was some news about, you know, guys getting in their top four, guys getting in the top five. Guys setting their visits, people looking, you know, Penn State looking good for some guys that have already narrowed their things down. Um, Sean, the only thing I, 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 we have to talk about that I am demanding we talk about is is the news that Rodney Gallagher, receiver from Penn State, or Pennsylvania, uh, officially, uh, we, we, we hinted at it last time, but it's official now, going to West Virginia, it was technically closer for him uh, to, to Morgantown than it was to State College, but but nonetheless, uh, heading uh, down to West Virginia, going to be a Mountaineer.
1: Yeah, that part I actually didn't know until a couple of days ago that um, he's actually closer to uh, Morgantown than he is to State College, uh, despite being from Pennsylvania. I think sometimes Pennsylvania residents forget, especially ones um, in eastern Pennsylvania, forget that West Virginia does border Pennsylvania. But yeah, that that's a big loss um, that we weren't able to reel him in. Now, you know, there'll be a lot of speculation as to why uh, Rodney Gallagher went to West Virginia. There are all kinds of rumors of potential NIL deals. Um, I don't know. (laughs) There seems to be some smoke there. I don't know the exact details, and I don't really want to speculate on that. Um, But it's close to home. And uh, credit to West Virginia. They were able to edge out Penn State and Notre Dame. and those two teams have top five recruiting classes right now. But um, again, kudos to West Virginia for being able to reel them in.
0: Right. And we talked about, we thought this was a two horse race between Notre Dame and Penn state. So uh, a little Mm -hmm. bit of, you know, jokes on us kind of there, but yeah, credit to West Virginia. I don't think this is something that's going to happen all the time, but in the world of NIL, if that did have a big part of it, we will see this from time to time. And that's just something that, again, we've talked about this, I think last week, Penn State's got to grow with it. If they cannot grow with it, they are going to miss out on guys from time to time from in-state guys that they should have no, you know, no reason to miss out on. Now there could be other things to play there, right? Penn State obviously isn't letting the world on fire. They're 11 and 11 the last two years, blah 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 blah. But you should be able to get a guy like that, and you know, and and the, the frustrating thing is this Rodney Gallagher guy seems like a fantastic human being. Everything I read about him and how he really wants to do right with the community and he cares about the community. He's always been kind of the big guy on campus, so to speak. He seemed like he would have been a great fit at Penn State. And he, it just seemed like he was built from not seeing Penn State cloth and obviously wish him nothing but the best. But I think he would have fit Penn State and James Franklin culture well. And I think that just sucks sometimes when you miss out on a guy that probably would have fit in perfectly.
1: Yeah, and I think that's part of the reason. On top of just being a uh, a fantastic football player, um, Franklin and the staff are really big on culture drivers. And I think that when you have a guy like him that you're recruiting since his freshman year in high school, you know, th- 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 there's a reason why you set a target on him. And and of course, football has has something to do with it. But you definitely want somebody with high character. Um, and it's a miss uh they're gonna they're definitely going to uh you know this one will definitely hurt uh I don't know if there's any chance Penn State gets back into it but right now it seems pretty solid
0: right and we talked about if you know if it wasn't an ideal maybe that's a little bit more of a looser commitment than if there was another reason why he decided to commit but again we'll have to wait and see on that. Um, re- I don't know, Sean, maybe you know. I I'm don't know if he's planning to still visit Penn State now or if he's 100% cut off everything. Do you have any insight on in that?
1: I don't think he plans to visit right now. I know he was one of those guys that were supposed to visit um, in June, but I don't believe...
0: I, yeah, I believe he was June 17th. I think that was supposed yes. to be his last visit.
1: Yes, so. I believe you are right, and I don't believe he has any... Uh, looks like his only scheduled visit is June 3rd to West Virginia.
0: Okay, so keep, you know, if something pops up, so since he's cleared his visits, if another visit does pop up, maybe that's, you know, worth at least kind of uh, investigating. But for right now, it looks like uh, Rodney Gallagher, I almost said Frank Gallagher, Rodney Gallagher going to West Virginia. And that is that. Um, Again, lots and lots of guys coming um, in June. A lot more to talk about in the next two months as we get into the thick part of summer. Obviously, Memorial Days passes. So now we are officially into uh, the summer, whatever you want to call it, where speculation starts happening, preseason starts happening. We saw last year for the 2021 class a lot of confidence, a lot of momentum started in the summer because of how well the recruiting class. I mean, every couple of days recruits are coming in. So I expect a lot more in that department in the next two months.
1: Yeah. Yeah. Um these days it gets really, uh, recruiting really heats up in the summer. Uh, you pointed out last July, God, if we were doing this podcast, then we'd be, we'd be very, very busy, like all the time. Um, but yeah, it's going to heat up in the summer and usually you have some fall visits, fall official visits, uh, definitely fall unofficial visits for, uh, football games, but typically these days, um, recruits want to get their, um, Everything wrapped up by the time their fall season starts, which I think is smart too.
0: Well, Sean, since we are into the thick of summer, and I just want to say for everybody, Sean and I have kind of already talked about. Looks like we're going probably going to break down a an opponent in Penn State's schedule every single week starting next week. So we'll start with Purdue next week and kind of run through all of the opponents. So it won't take up the entire episode; probably just be fifteen-ish minutes talking about each opponent. So look out for that every single week leading up to about mid-August. So that should have, you know, give us at least 20 minutes of something to talk about, which will be fantastic. But Sean already Vegas coming out with odds for who will win the big 10 championship. You want to take a guess who is number
1: one? I'm going to go with the Ohio state Buckeyes. Number one. Yeah.
0: Not a surprise there. Um, they were number one. Uh, you want to guess who number two and three were?
1: Um, I will go the Michigan Wolverines, the defending Big Ten champions. That's correct. And Michigan State.
0: No, actually, Michigan State not even close. Uh, wow. Wisconsin three.
1: Ah, uh, the Badgers. Which,
0: which we talked about how we don't think Wisconsin might be as good. So that's maybe yeah. an interesting bet. Uh, four was Penn State. A little bit surprised there, Sean. Yeah.
1: Um, that's about right. I expected it to be in the four, maybe six range, four to six range. Um, because if you look at just overall recruiting talent, it's very high. Um, if you look at like let's let's put it this way: if it was two years ago, and you were to tell me Penn State would have James Franklin as their head coach, Mike Yurcich as their offense coordinator, Manny Manny Diaz as their defensive coordinator. I think Penn State fans would be really, really happy with that. Um, And those guys didn't just forget how to coach. Um, Even though they've all had, you know, maybe a rough couple years, they're all decent coaches at least. They're all good coaches. um, And there's a lot of talent there from recruiting aspects. So I could definitely see Penn State as a decent dark horse bet maybe somewhere for all you betting people out there.
0: Well, CBS agrees with you, and they said that C- um, that Penn State was the best bet out of all of them to take. So, And mm. then and they quickly said that they don't think Penn State's going to win, but it's the best bet out there. Uh, Nebraska was right behind Penn State at
1: nah.
0: – um, Yeah. Yeah, Nebraska, then <laughs> so Iowa, I then money, Michigan State. On Nebraska. Yeah, I think that's just because they want to take people from Nebraska's money. I mean, there's no other way to yeah. say it. Um,
1: yeah, I think even Nebraska fans would be like, no, I'm not that not on not Nebraska. <laughs>
0: right. Yeah, I agree with that, too. So Minnesota, Purdue, pretty far down Unless, the list. Uh, uh, Just to give you an idea, Ohio State, Michigan, Wisconsin, Penn State, Nebraska, Iowa, Michigan State, Purdue, Minnesota, Maryland, Indiana, Illinois, Rutgers, and Northwestern. So there you go.
1: Rough times for Northwestern.
0: Yeah, but you know these are those years where Northwestern has a really good year. It's every that's even true. year, right? So that's true. I would put. Actually, they know. were
1: good in twenty twenty. You're right.
0: I would be curious. The Big Ten West, I think, is at least fun because you don't know who's going to be the best awful team, and I and I don't mean to sound like a Big Ten East elitist, but if Wisconsin isn't winning that, are you taking? Are you even having any thought? about someone else from the West beating Ohio State. I mean, I I don't even know if I would go as far as thinking Wisconsin could. And Wisconsin plays Ohio State, I want to believe, at Ohio State this year. So we'll get to see that matchup in the regular season, which, correct me if I'm wrong, but I'm pretty sure the last time they played each other, Wisconsin also played at Ohio State. So I'm not really sure how that happened to be two times at Ohio State, but maybe I'm wrong on that. Um, But regardless – We'll get to see that matchup, but yeah, I don't see anyone else in the Big Ten West really competing anywhere close to um, to Ohio State, if they got to play
1: in the Big Ten Championship. Yeah, they're 0-8, um, I think, all time since the Legends and Leaders uh, ended um, in the Big Ten Championship. So, I don't know why anybody would ever expect the, the West to win anything. Especially yeah. a team that's not named the Wisconsin Badgers. Yeah,
0: I mean, and, and I don't really think Wisconsin is going to be crazy good.
1: No,
0: um, either. So just to give you an idea, Wisconsin has lost Ohio State the last one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight times. Which, I mean, everyone's lost Ohio State a lot more times than they've won. But um, they've lost. The last time they beat them was in twenty ten. The last time they played in a non Big Ten championship game was in 2019 in Columbus, and they lost 38-7. to
1: Oh, I remember that game. I actually forgot. I think Chase Young had like seven sacks. At yes.
0: Or something. <laughs> yes, he did. He had a stupid good game. Um, they did play in 2016 at Madison. So that's the last time they played at Madison, Wisconsin, was in 2016. I too. Yeah, I think Penn State it was, was on a bye won. that week, weren't yep. we?
1: Yeah, it was a very good game. Wisconsin... That was probably Wisconsin's best team uh, that they had uh, in the past few years, in my opinion. Um, and they almost they almost got it done.
0: Yeah, yeah. I, I remember it was close late. I remember that for sure. I was actually at a wedding, which thank God for bi week weddings. But, um, <laughs> but yeah, I, I do I do remember that game. So that was the last time. Anyway, so this one will be at Columbus, which does not give me much faith in the Badgers to go on the road and win that game. Um, unfortunately, so I don't know how we got down the Wisconsin Ohio State rabbit hole, but the 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 main part of this is Ohio State's still going to be the favorite. Michigan was second, um, but everyone said, "Hey, look, Penn State, yes, yeah, so you got to travel to Ann Arbor." But Sean, if I would ask you that you have to travel to Ann Arbor, but you get Ohio State and Michigan State at home, because we kind of do this every year now, where we're home against those two in a way against Michigan. And then the next year we're flipped. This is probably the more favorable year. I guess the even years are better for us.
1: Yeah. I think you take that any day. Um, Ann Arbor. Now I want to be clear about this. Penn state historically doesn't do a very good job of winning up there. uh, But that crowd is the least intimidating 110,000 fans I've ever seen in my life. Um, They're so quiet. And but like I said, I don't want to talk too much because Penn State barely ever wins up there. So I would rather travel to Ann Arbor and be able to host um, Ohio State and uh, Michigan State, especially since both those places have also been houses of horror for us.
0: Well, nothing's been great lately.
1: Yeah, that's true. Good point.
0: <laughs> I mean, In fact, We did
1: win at Michigan the last time we were right. there, so.
0: So maybe we're trading that first. I don't know, but yeah, it's uh, it's not been great. So let's move on to the next thing, and this is maybe the it's gonna be the title of the episode. And I posed the question on Twitter, and I I kind of phrase it differently than how I'm gonna ask you. How I phrased it on Twitter was: Should Penn State be ranked higher or lower than 18? hundred percent, ever, and it wasn't a poll; it was just reply to me. hundred percent, everybody said. Penn State should be um, a lot lower than 18. Probably shouldn't even be ranked. I'm just going to ask you, Sean. Should Penn State be ranked in the preseason?
1: No. No. I um, I think you have to go better than 11 and 11 in the past two years to get a preseason ranking. Um, Now, do preseason rankings mean anything? Absolutely not. I also didn't think Michigan deserved to be ranked last year in the preseason, and they won the Big Ten. So, but if I'm going based off of what happened the last two years, no, I, I, I don't see how Penn State could be ranked there. Now, if they beat Purdue and Auburn, different story. But you have to, you have to show me something first.
0: And that was what our our good pal of mine JDR said on Twitter too. He said that, look, I mean, if we're gonna be mad at Notre Dame or in Michigan for being ranked too well right. or right. too high or Texas, for example, you gotta have to. Do the same thing. And, and look, preseason rankings, for all intents and purposes, don't matter. But it does kind of perceive – it does an idea of how people perceive you in the world. And we are going to try to look at, at you know college football as a whole every week, uh, maybe starting – I don't know, whenever we decide to
1: mm-hmm.
0: because I think it's important – when you're talking about your favorite team, that you have a decent perspective about what everything that's going on around you. If you're only ever talking about Penn state football, you really can start getting, you know, yourself into a corner as far as Homerism and, and, and not just big 10, but you've got to talk about sec football. You've at least got to mention pac 12 football and ACC football because, and obviously big 12 football too, but, you got to do it because it gives you a better perspective. And when you have a better perspective, you usually have better opinions. And that's all we care about here is having the best opinion. No, but in all seriousness, like it does matter. Um, And and so we're going to try to do a better job with that. And because of that, I, I agree. I, I don't think Penn state should be ranked because a lot of the good things that I think could happen are speculative. And, When I can't point to three things where I'm like, this is like A, B, and C or why Penn State should be ranked. I don't really have an A, B, or C right now.
1: Right. Yeah, we would just be going off the name. And um, I don't want to be like that. I don't want to be like Texas. I don't want to be like Michigan uh, outside of last year where where every year people are looking at them like, why are they ranked so high? Why are they ranked, period? Um, Just because... What we're Penn State I mean, so what? <laughs> you know you have to go and you have to go and prove it. uh I remind the listeners too, it took until the middle of the 2016 season for our last big Ten championship team to be ranked. So rankings really don't matter until about late october so I will not be upset at all if we're not ranked. As a matter of fact, I wouldn't even mind it if we weren't ranked because I think it could motivate the team a little bit.
0: Well, yeah, and that's a, so you know that's that started coming up on Twitter too. Like that was that was a big part of it too. Like, and I think that there is some motivation. Do you think that really plays that much of a motivation? A factor? Bit.
1: A little bit, but not a whole lot. Um, I think the I think stuff like that, especially preseason polls, they're pretty easy to block out. Now it starts getting harder and harder as the season goes on though. When you like a few years ago when Penn State played Minnesota and they were number 4 in the first in the first playoff ranking. That could start to seep in and become a distraction, but I think early on in the season the the guys aren't really thinking all that much about it.
0: Right. I think that it definitely plays more of a role when you get ranked a lot higher. I don't think it's as much of a motivational tool maybe to, to be like, oh, we're not ranked it to start the season. That being said, none of it really matters, of course, because a win at Purdue most likely gets Penn State ranked if they're not already going to be ranked. Okay. My personal thought is that they're going to be ranked going into the season. Um, but as whether or not they should be, I, you know, I don't think so. But I think they will be ranked. I think Athlon Sports had them at um, 25th. So I, I think they'll probably end up being ranked. If they beat Purdue, they'll probably be ranked. And then, obviously, if they beat Auburn in a couple of weeks after that and have gone undefeated, they will 100% be ranked, if not even higher than you know the top 18 or so. So it doesn't really matter because all that is going to come into play um, sooner rather than later.
1: Yeah, and if you could win your first uh, how many games until Michigan? I think five. If you could be five and zero going into Michigan, it's going to be a, at least a top fifteen matchup, might even be a top ten matchup. So, just just win <laughs> um, the one and all mentality, uh, which you know, James Franklin professes to have. Uh, that should that should be the only thing that matters right now. The only thing that matters should be beating Purdue and then beating Ohio and so on and so forth.
0: Do you feel better about having that bye week before Michigan? If we are undefeated?
1: Uh, gosh. <laughs> I mean, I'd feel better than coming off a loss to Northwestern. Um, but I, is it weird that I kind of wish it was before the bye? Just knowing what this coaching staff's track record is? Um, maybe. Uh, but also, 2016, I think the Ohio State game was off a of bye. I'm 99% sure. I think they were I think there's a buy in between Maryland and Ohio State. So I mean I think a lot of that's mental and just the coaching staff having to figure out how to come off a bye week in general. Right. No, I
0: think I think you were right on, on that note about Ohio State. I also would say I think I want the buy before Michigan because I I don't know. I think that's better that way. And I'm just gonna say it. It doesn't make much sense, but I think in this situation it, it will make Things better. I would 100% rather have the buy before Michigan than having the buy after Michigan.
1: Yeah, that's true. Because what if you lose to Michigan? And we know what happens coming off a loss and a buy. Exactly. Exactly. <laughs> it's a my few point. weeks, few bad weeks of being a Penn State fan.
0: <laughs> right. Yeah. That, that, that's what my thought was on that. Um, speaking of all that, we did, and I don't know how we probably should have talked about this maybe sooner um we did get some times and some locations of games so let's talk about that at least briefly the purdue game is going to be well actually i I should double check maybe you know is it on fox i think it's on fox
1: i think it's on fox yeah
0: yeah fox at eight o'clock um for those that are interested in that on thursday night so we'll be we're less than 100 days away i think we're at 93 92 days from the kickoff now so like
1: that yeah
0: we're getting close we're not going to be doing you know a story every single day about a player leading up to that. Um, But yeah, we're, we're getting there 90 ish days away. Um, That's pretty exciting. So that game's at eight o'clock. The Ohio game has officially come out at noon on ESPN or slash ABC. So Mm -hmm. that one will officially be at noon. Ohio came out and said, remember when we played you guys at noon in Beaver stadium? I saw that. And that was quite rude to make us all relive that. <laughs> I, I also didn't that. realize how lucky they got in that entire game. I totally forgot about that. I'm like, God, they got so freaking lucky in that game. But that was a huge moment because that was like a holy crap, the sky is falling thing. Loss at Virginia, loss at Ohio. Some people thought Penn State wasn't going to win a game that year at that point. So That was awful. Uh, but that was really nice of them to bring that up. So I hope Penn State Crushes them by seventy, and I hope James Franklin calls a timeout <laughs> and ices their kicker with five seconds left in the game to preserve a shutout.
1: You get yeah, what you I... want. <laughs> F around, find out, right?
0: Yeah, I mean, that was rude, and that ruined my whole day when I saw that. So, uh, the Auburn game, first time since 1999, Penn State will be playing on CBS, 3:30 Eastern kick. Your boy will be there in person. I believe NLC tickets have already been, you know, sent out for those people that have NLC tickets. Um, but yeah, that one's gonna be at 330. So I'm very, very happy it wasn't a noon uh Eastern kick. I was kind of hoping for like maybe a five thirty, six thirty, but we'll be okay with a three thirty. It's probably better that they did that. Um But I I it will be a two thirty local time kick. Any thoughts on that?
1: Yeah, I'm cool with it. Um, excited to be back on CBS. Uh, do you happen to know the last time Penn State played on CBS, who they played? Uh, Pittsburgh. Yes, you're correct. Yeah, and I think they lost. Correct. They did. Hopefully, it goes better than
0: that time. Right. Sorry to bring that up, but yeah. yeah um, sorry. the only reason I knew that is I think they included that with the press release. Um, and that's the only reason I knew that because I was not watching. Um. <laughs> The only other thing I have, Sean, is Minnesota uh, is, I think, 100% going to be on ESPN-ABC. Yeah. And people have already kind of – and we can talk about this right now too because I posed this to social media as well. Um, Would you rather have the whiteout be Minnesota? Based on what we kind of know now, Ohio State's really most likely going to be a noon kick. I mean, there is a – and there isn't a scenario, Sean, where I could see – maybe the world series getting pushed to a nine o'clock Eastern start and having the game at four or five Eastern
1: uh, and
0: yeah. you, st- and you still get that nighttime. Cause it would be by end of October, it will be dark, you know, by six o'clock. So you basically mm-hmm. the game, it was a fine, the whiteout in 2013 versus Michigan. It was a three thirty kick or no, actually maybe it was four, but it was fine by the, you know, it had that. And it went, what quadruple overtime anyway. So it definitely had all of that, you know, did it, was it like that from the very beginning of the kick? No, but I think that could be Fox's compromise. You, and then you could go right from the wide out audience, right into the world series. I think that might be, because otherwise what you'd have the game at noon and then you would probably lose a lot of your viewership before the world series later. You probably lose a lot of people, honestly, but if you go four to nine, maybe it holds on. Um, your thoughts on that, but also your thoughts. Do you want it to be to Minnesota? Just forget about
1: it. I want the whiteout to be Ohio state. Um, and the reason I want the whiteout to be Ohio state is we need all the help we could get to beat Ohio state. Uh, do you know the last time there was a whiteout for the Ohio state game was 2018. So we've only played one whiteout game against Ohio state since 2016. Um, so I just think you need all the help you could get. Uh, maybe you can make Minnesota the stripe out, um, or something because, you know, it'll be a night game and I think the stripe out looks better at, at night. Um, I would definitely be, I didn't even think of the world series angle, but I do know that's, I think when we played Ohio state in Columbus in 2017, it was a four o'clock game on Fox because of the world series. So I could definitely see them doing that again. And it just looks better on TV. Um, it'll be a better product for television to have it, you know, as a 4 p.m. kick with um the sun setting. Got in late October, the sun sets around six o'clock, so we'll have the whole second half um being at night, so it'll be like a night game. And I agree with you, the Michigan game, I think everybody kind of thinks it's a night game because that's when the Allen Robinson catch happened, but the first half was all during the day, so that's 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 kind of my answer on that, and I'm sticking to it.
0: Yeah, the sun sets fast in late October in, in Central yes. Pennsylvania. So, and God forbid you have some sort of overcast, then it's going to be pretty much nighttime from the get-go. I mean, even the Alabama game, uh, wide out, that was a 3.30 kick. Even that game, and that was early, that was in September, that game was still relatively dark by the time that, I mean, it was it was dusk. I won't say dark, <laughs> but it was getting there. So, I have no, you know, if you start at 4 o'clock or even if you can push 430, because if I'm Fox, I'm trying to put that game as late as possible, and I run right from the whiteout from a Penn State upset over Ohio State right to the World Series, and I carry, <laughs> you know, I don't know, 11 million people with it. I, I don't know. This seems like a no-brainer, in my opinion. Yeah. Um, if Penn State loses four games, I put it at noon. Yeah. And don't even really have to worry about it. But I yep. would I would personally, I don't know if they can wait that long, but um, if Penn State loses to Purdue and they lose to Auburn, I'm putting that thing at noon, not worrying about it.
1: Yeah, then we don't deserve a primetime game.
0: <laughs> right. Go ahead, if uh, you I can noticed, get it. I
1: know, I noticed Go ahead. what you did there, too, with the Penn State upsetting Ohio State going into the World Series thing, too.
0: I just had <laughs> to throw that out there. <laughs> putting good I vibes into the universe. <laughs> No, but I think that would be your best bet if you're Fox, because you get the four o'clock kick, you get the compromise sort of. I don't, I, and honestly, if you ask most Penn State fans that are, uh, let's just say, twenty-four and older, they're probably, and as far as people that go to the games weekly, they prefer three thirty kicks over eight p.m. kicks. They can't stand a lot of eight p.m. Oh, for kicks. Sure because it means they're not getting home if they're driving back till two, three in the morning rather than three 30. Hey, you know, we can tailgate maybe have a beer or two afterwards and still get home at a decent time. It's a no brainer for them. So I think you're actually would. And honestly, from a Penn state perspective, I can tell you this as well from the athletic department standpoint, they like these ones better too, because when you start that late, that means all of the support staff, all of the ICA, they are all working from about eight a.m. till eight p.m., and they have a long ass day. There's a huge risk management involved as far as people being drunk for that long, and the the parking logistics are a lot harder. Everything's better with a with a four o'clock game. Just saying, and I, I would be I would be a hundred percent okay with a whiteout being at four o'clock against Ohio State, and then going ahead and doing a stripe out. Um, with Minnesota, the following week, or or I guess would be before that, um, I think that's fine. But if you're, but if you're not going to get that, if you know, if you knew a month in advance, noon for the whiteout or noon for Ohio State, I'm pushing a whiteout to Minnesota personally. And I agree with you. I think the stripeout does look better at night, but I really did not like the whiteout at noon. I just, I just didn't, Sean.
1: Yeah, I mean, I could see that. I, I don't like the idea of a noon whiteout. I don't. Um, it really, it, there's nothing sexy about it at all. Uh, it loses a lot of its luster. Um, and I remember the noon whiteout against Michigan when I was a student. Um, and it just didn't feel the same. <laughs> it just kind of felt like we all dressed up in white. And we've rolled out of bed, and then we walked up to the stadium. But there was no juice there at all. Uh, maybe it would feel different if we're undefeated or we only have one loss and it's a noon game. Maybe that would feel different. I don't know. Um, but generally, it just doesn't it, – it, there's not the same oomph, oomph to it.
0: Right. And the final point I want to say on this, Michigan and Michigan State do play that week as well. So – You have a potential, if you're Fox, you could go noon kickoff with Michigan-Michigan State, Penn State-Ohio State after you do a 30-minute hype-up show, and then you go right into the World Series. You're making a lot of money that day. Just I'm just saying. I'm just saying. I think
1: that might be what they prefer to do, too. Because having – I mean, Fox knows what looks good on TV. Um you know you turn on you you turn on even like fox news uh regardless of what the people are saying and they say some interesting stuff on there um it looks good and they are all about what looks good on tv and would you rather a whiteout at night or would you rather the quietest 112,000 people you've ever heard at night um i'll take i'll take the penn state whiteout please
0: yep I agree with you. I agree with you. Um, Any other final thoughts? I think we ran. Oh, there was one more thing. But do you have any other final thoughts? I don't think so, Corey. Okay. Well, I was just going to at least mention the Athlon Sports did come out with their all preseason teams. And I don't think I'm going to talk about these every single time. But since we have a moment, I was at least going to say. And they came out with four teams, which I thought was a little bit much. Mm. But that's just my own opinion. I think that's, that's plenty. Uh Mustafer and Brown ended up on first team Big Ten defense. So defensive tackle PJ Mustafer and safety Jair Brown, first team Big Ten defense. Uh Curtis Jacobs, linebacker Curtis Jacobs, and cornerback Joey Porter Jr. on the second team. Wide receiver Parker Washington and center Juice Scruggs make the third team on offense. And then running back Nick Singleton. And wide receiver Mitch Tinsley on fourth team offense. So, my first thought, Sean, no Penn State offensive players on first or second team, and then Nick Singleton and Mitch Tinsley, not um, not a Keandre Lambert Smith or not a Kevon Lee making
1: that fourth team. Yeah, that's interesting. Like Singleton never played it down, but he's already getting some preseason love. I mean, I like it. <laughs> I'll take it. Uh... Kind of thought Parker Washington would be a bit higher than the third team, um, but uh, these days the Big Ten does have a lot of really good receivers, so maybe I could see it. Uh, I think it says a lot about PJ Mustafar and his reputation, though, that he would get first team, not a first team nod, um, despite coming off of you know what looked to be a pretty serious injury last year.
0: I'm curious to see. I mean the, the hype is real with Nick Singleton. So
1: I guess we will just have to wait and see. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. Um I'm I'm very, very excited to see what he could do. I'm excited to see K Tron Allen too, though. He he actually um from everything that I read in camp, he impressed, you know, maybe not quite as much as Singleton, but he was very, very productive. And I was impressed with him in the Blue White game as well.
0: Right. Yeah. I I, I wasn't, yeah. I was impressed with everybody in the blue and white game for the most part. So that kind of, I don't know what to take from it. But, um, yeah, exactly. <laughs> but no, I think Kevon Lee's, uh, Kevon Lee's going to have a, is going to have a better year this year as long as he can hold on to the football. I, he seems like he's running really hard. Uh, I'm excited to see what, what he can do. But hey, he can't do it by himself. So I have no issue with Nick Singleton or anyone, anybody setting up, setting up, stepping up and doing something. So,
1: yep i'm cool with that too also thought maybe the tight ends would give would get a little love but mm. um again it's kind of a prove it thing uh you know but also how many tight ends do they keep per team though they might only have one per team yeah probably yeah so maybe so that makes more sense yes yeah. there are 14 14 teams in the big ten
0: <laughs> right yeah, yeah. I mean, I guess you're right. But when, uh, you have four teams you thought maybe a Theo Johnson would slip on there. But what, what do I know? Um, or maybe even a Caden Wallace getting some love. No love for him either. So, But no. that was a little bit interesting. But nonetheless, um, Sean, we kept this one under an hour.
1: We did it, Corey.
0: So for people listening, if you just skip to the end, um, we did keep this one under an hour. We know, you know last week was a very long one. You guys have been awesome. You guys have been listening. We appreciate that. If you haven't already, make sure you subscribe and you share it with a friend. Just share it with anybody. Um, yeah, we appreciate it. We're in the dog days of summer now, and we are going strong. So, um, Sean, thanks a lot, dude. Thank you, Corey. It was fun. As always, it was very much fun. For a Hardcore Penn State Football, he's Sean Kane. I'm Corey Listoki. We'll catch you next time. Make sure you're following us on Twitter. Peace out, everybody.